Welcome to episode 495 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is no one. I am still at home uh, in Mississippi. Just wanted to give a little bit of an update. I know I've been out uh, be two weeks now. I'm hoping to get back uh, for the next episode, but was unable to get back. So just wanted to leave a little update with you guys as to... Um, my absence this is the second week, so just kind of wanted to fill in everybody uh, on where I've been and what I've been doing uh, in my absence. So, as I said, I'm back home. My mother had a uh, medical procedure. Um, well, everything's out of the bag now, so a uh, little bit of a brain surgery. Um, had to remove a tumor uh, that turned out to be malignant. Um, which, you know, is bad, um, you know, but tumor was small enough. They were able to remove, there's no visible traces of the tumor left. Um, and so we're starting the treatment plan. So, uh, that's what it is. Uh, optimism is high. Um, you know, brain cancer is brain cancer and this is stage four and, uh, that's, that's about as rough as it gets. However, positive things, um, Tumor was very small. Most of the times in these cases, you know, tumors are the size of a golf ball. Uh, and the tumor that uh, my mom had was about the size probably of a grain of rice, you know, or maybe an above average kidney stone uh, would be about the size uh, that she had. So, you know, that's good. The majority of the, of the type of cancer um, that she has uh, generally is found is, is much bigger. So uh, we got it very, very, very early, and uh, the whole situation has been monitored for a while. So um, we got in early, and um, you know the surgeon and neurosurgeon um, are couldn't couldn't be more optimistic. So if uh, if the surgeon and the neurologist are happy, then we're happy. So uh, feeling good and. Um, Thank you for, for everyone who uh, did know about this, uh, that has reached out. I greatly appreciate it. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're greatly, you know, loved and, and supported right now. And um, we appreciate everybody for all the, the good wishes and, and good vibes and, you know, prayers if you're into that. So we'll, we'll take whatever you got and we appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, so that's just what I've been up to. Just, uh trying to to keep um you know everything going and keeping mom you know happy in the hospital um we got her in a rehab facility right now um she doesn't have uh full use of her right foot so you know that was just uh it's all part of the surgery uh they kind of knew that going in um they wanted to remove as much as possible and so um that was going to be a little bit more uh rehab time for her so that's something we'll happily do because they were able to get as much out as they were. So, um, just got her in rehab for a couple of weeks, working on the, you know, getting her legs good and strong back again. And, uh, we'll just go from there. So, um, yes, it is, uh, you know, brain cancer is scary and bad, but things are looking good. And, um, you know, we, we feel very optimistic that, that we're headed towards a, uh, a possible long-term remission. And so that's the goal. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, doing good on that end. And, uh, yeah, again, thank you for everyone for reaching out. And, uh, that's the update on that side of things. 
Uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of movies, to be honest with you. Uh, the internet here is deplorable. Uh, but I was able to watch um, five minutes of a Jamie Foxx movie called Bait on TV. It looked something. I'd uh, never seen that movie. And then also watched a Mel Gibson movie from a few years ago called Bloodfather, uh, which is fantastic. And maybe uh, next time we get on the show, we'll give you a little bit more detailed update on that. Don't really even know why I'm telling you this, because I don't have a whole lot of information on these movies. Just, uh, I don't know. I miss you guys. I miss talking on the show. I miss everybody. And I hope to be back soon. So just wanted to leave you with a little update uh, on why I'm not on the show the past couple weeks but uh i'll see you soon and uh keep this under five minutes so uh enjoy the rest of the show bye (laughs) thanks for the thumbs up i didn't know i was like oh are we gonna roll right into it Uh, thank you thank you clark for sending that out um i i want to say that it's been tricky like how do we play clark not being here because people were asking but i honestly it was easy i'm like i don't know he went home (laughs) who gives a (laughs) shit But today when I reached out and I, God, I found out maybe an hour ago that Clark had sent a message in Yeah, and I immediately went improv mentally and I'm like, wait, how do I riff off this if I haven't heard it? So I think we'll be okay. (laughs) Everything will be fine. But hey, how are y'all doing? This is not going to be a bummer episode. This fucking little twerp calling in from across the country to bring the mood down because it's a party. The parents are away and the mice will play. Uh, me and Randy are here having a great time. Well, actually, Randy, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Just uh, hanging out, you know, getting ready for the Super Bowl for my <laughs> favorite team, the 49ers, to hopefully win. Holy I don't know if I'm jinxing this by saying this, but I don't really care. I did put uh, $20 into a football pool, uh, which I have no idea how it really works. But my friend was like, hey, I'm selling squares for $5 each. So I put in a... Uh, 20 bucks. <laughs> Does that mean you're on the market for $5, Randy? I I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this works, but we'll see if I win anything. <laughs> it was a square joke. No, you know, all, dude, all week people are like, what are you doing Sunday? And normally when people ask, I'm like, you know, we're recording. And they're like, oh, you ready for the Super Bowl? And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And my joke was, I don't care. And it is the least thing i'm concerned yeah. about right now when you mentioned it right now i had a moment of shock that it is actually going on <laughs> yeah. it's in vegas too right beats me i don't know oxana am i correct i think it is also hi oxana hi that's what i remember hearing yeah vegas which is weird all right well can you look that up your goddamn producer on the show i was adding a note <laughs> also how are you doing today uh well i felt like i held up the show because i needed my third cup of coffee but then we didn't start right after that anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, we we did already book an interview. I'm not book. We banked it. I don't know what happened, but I blame Clark. I feel like I had a lot of energy rolling in here. Mm-hmm. We we went a little bit over on that interview. I was living a high life. And then now I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> Although yeah. everything, everything sounds like it's good over there. Um yeah. You know, I don't know Clark's mom personally, but she's got to be like, she's put up with some shit in life. I mean, Clark is her only son that I know of, and she survived that for this long. I think it's going to take more than a fucking, I don't know, what would you call it? A grain of rice? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. 
don't know. Of course, we wish her well, though. But God, man, that kind of like, I should have went. You, I felt like you were hinting. Like, oh, we could just play it and not listen to it. Yeah. yeah kind I, mean, of. I could always put it in in post or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Since I had listened to it, it's probably good that you listen to it as well before it uh, goes into the show. Yeah. You know, we had to do it when you mentioned it might be awkward to play it live. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to do that. <laughs> we have to do that. All right. Well, fuck, Randy, you own your own home now and you're not throwing a Super Bowl party, dude. Nah, dude. Who would I invite? People that don't care about sports? I mean, my, my only friend, Christian Perez, who was on the show last week. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of bummed he's not here again. If yeah, I'm no, I did think about it as well, too, but I, well, uh, I didn't reach out. Here's the thing. We're lucky that he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> I think he does. I think he's just behind. So, okay. You know, this is a couple of weeks later. So sorry uh, in advance. Yeah. I wanted you here for the record. I actually, I started a petition to get Clark officially removed and to have you move out to California. So um, if that gets any movement, I'll uh, keep you updated, Christian. Um, Randy, I'm excited, dude. Today, it's just me and you. Hell yeah. We're chilling. Have we, have we ever done this? No. Yeah, I'd say I don't know if we did. We have. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we have. But again, I, I can't tell if people think it's a bit or not. But really, when I met you, that's what we would do. Just talk about, honestly, kind of criterion film. I'd, yeah. I'd meet you on your territory. Yeah, that's true. That's usually how it works. You know, I don't go out of my comfort zone too often. You're just too polite. I think you do go out of your comfort zone a lot, but you don't usually have good things to say. <laughs> so you'll watch a bunch yeah. of movies, but you won't cover them. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of true. It's one of those things where it's kind of your like, uh, your like three star thing. You know, if it's not great or if it's not terrible, it's kind of hard to talk about. Yeah, I had an I had another um, conversation about my star rating while playing Dead by Daylight. Uh, the Silent Hill came up. They're doing a whole lights out thing, and uh, we were all playing uh, police characters. So I was Sybil from Silent Hill, and um, Terrell was playing somebody from Saga from Alan Wake. And uh, yeah, whatever it doesn't matter. But Resident Silent Hill came up, and I was talking about how much I did not like those movies. Mm-hmm. But in a three-way, not in a three-way, not not that there was a three-way happening in the movie was playing, (laughs) but in a three-star kind of way where it's like, it was fine, it's totally forgettable. And then I made the comparison to Resident Evil, where I am not a fan. And I think it became apparent in that conversation, I may have to give the Resident Evil movie a one. And by the movie, I mean all of them. (laughs) Because I fucking, I hate them. And I was reminded of a story back when I managed a roundtable. There was a uh, very like well-to-do young man <laughs> who was full of energy and very optimistic, but kind of a dullard. And I remember I just gotten back from seeing one of the Resident Evil movies and I hated it. And I kept talking about how much I hated it. And somebody was like, why did you hate it? I'm like, let me just tell you, there's a scene. It's in a church <laughs> and there's zombies everywhere. And uh, our lead jumps on a motorcycle, drives up the wall, backflips off the motorcycle, produces two automatic guns, fires away while kicking a liquor in the air. And uh, I'm like, that's why I hate it. And then that dude chimed in and went, that sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then Terrell, who loves these movies, would not drop it. He's just like, dude, those movies are good. And I'm like, that's fine. They're just not Resident Evil. Yeah. And I, again, no critique to the filmmaking. If they call that movie uh, Wacky Zombie Time with uh, Mila Jolovich, I'd be like, okay, I'd probably be into it. But the fact, it's really just the title and the delivery. And therefore, I fucking hate that movie. And it would be a one. But that is no reflection of anything other than my personal experience. Because those movies are fine. I mean, how many did they make? Like fucking five of them? At, no, probably more. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot. I also had to At Google least. which franchise Mia Jovovich was in because I couldn't remember. Resident Evil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't strike. Brandy, what is your relationship with video games like? Uh, I played a lot of the, you know, like the Nintendo-y sort of like okay. family-friendly, I guess, type of games. My cousin, who I've mentioned on the show several times, who's very into horror, was really into like sort of more horror video games. And I would, oftentimes I would watch him play games like Resident Evil. And I'd be like into it. You know, it's pretty like immersive and spooky and stuff, especially when you're younger. But I never, uh, I don't know. I never really like got into playing them myself really. Yeah. They were, they were scary too back in the day. Yeah. I, um, there was a two floor video rental store out here over by, um, Daily City Theater. Do you remember that? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, it it was old. Um, but I remember when I was a little kid there, I went and I rented the original Resident Evil and I brought it home and I didn't play it. I played it like one time. I think I got to the room where the dogs jumped through the hallway windows. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I couldn't. It was too scary. And then, you know, in the future, part two came out and I bought it. I remember I had money. It was a rare occasion. I bought that. And then I bought Final Fantasy Tactics. And I went home and I feared that copy of Resident Evil 2. <laughs> and honestly, I probably wasn't even that young. I was just probably like middle school. And I was just, I like the the original one scared me so much. I was just like, I'm glad I own this game, but I don't know if I'm ever going to play it. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I mean, I did. And honestly, Silent Hill is legitimately like much scarier. And I think the storytelling is better. The game <laughs> element isn't as strong, but. That shit's immersive. And Randy, like in another universe, if you were like a video game dude, that's the type of shit I think you would get hooked on. Because like, you know, mise-en-scene in a film is all about like as an audience member, are you lost in the plot? Are you lost in the the two-dimensional world we're occupying? Mm -hmm. And I think Silent Hill, they do a bunch of interesting shit. Like in that game, like, you know, like for a platformer like Mario, you move from left to right. And that's like making forward progression. In the original Silent Hill, you move down. And part of the game, you'd move up. Like if you go to the school, you might move up, which, you know, psychology, humans, we feel better like in a tree or something, like being off the ground. And we also feel worse being below it because you become trapped and like claustrophobic. And the game like really pushes that idea. And it's not like something that's in the forefront. It's just like a background. It's part of the background architecture. And I think the mise-en-scene, it really feeds in. And when you're dealing with like creative minds like that, you know, you you come out with like a fucking immersive, scary game. And then you get that goddamn movie, which just felt like whatever. It just felt like anything. Anybody could have made that. And the IP helped at like, the only thing the IP did was make fans disappointed. Yeah. So, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. Did you ever watch those films? 
I think I tried watching maybe the first one, but yeah, I don't think I've seen any since. I feel like there's an actress in there that you're into. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't know. Who else is in it besides Mia Jovovich? No, no. I'm talking about Silent Hill now. Oh. I don't know. Is Lori Holden a name? She played Sybil Bennett, the girl I was playing in Dead by Daylight. Actually, fucking Kim Coates is in this? Yeah, I don't know. Sean Bean? Uh, maybe I should go back. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe it's I, good now. Well, there is the there's the whole thing. Um, we get more into this on the Thursday episode, but it's like my film awakening. Like after taking one theory 101 class, and I just needed very basic shit pointed out to me. Like in a in a frame with the meticulous director, everything in there has been considered, right? Or yeah. not. With, and I just like something that I feel like everybody can intuitively figure out, just hearing somebody tell me that from a spot of authority just made everything kind of work for me. And I just, I don't know, I started looking at movies as like art. Yeah. And um, I feel, I don't know. I'm I'm looking at this. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's not. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, dude. And then Silent Hill 2, I know people were more of a fan of. But man, I went on a weird tangent here. I um I guess I just want to Randy, you know what I really want to do? And I haven't I haven't even told Oksana this yet. Mm-hmm. But when the new Final Destination comes out, we got to figure out a way to watch it with you. <laughs> I'm down. I I really would like it not to be online. Yeah, for like, sure. Like maybe we'll have to go out there or something. We'll have to bring Cliff to you since you're going to Paris instead of coming to the fucking film fest. Hell yeah. That's wild, dude. <laughs> I still, I think about that every now and then, get kind of mad, and then kind of excited. Yeah, uh, you know, I've never gone anywhere that far by myself. Okay. Which, you know, should be fine. I've gone to New York by myself, but there's always, like, people that I plan to meet there, too. And obviously, in New York, you, you speak the same language, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be weird, or maybe it won't. I think you'll be fine. I think I'm coming around to the idea of doing shit alone, too. As um, Oksana starts to annoy me more and more, I <laughs> fantasize about going to the <laughs> I love Movies you, by the way. I can't. The it's hard. You know, if I'm here and I'm riffing with Clark, I'm looking directly at him. Yeah. Her behind the monitor, I just, I have to like. I'm not smiling. Okay. Yeah. I thought I, I had to read the vibe of the room <laughs> I'm kidding. and I could feel the shift. Also, so, uh, there's in no, in no universe would you enjoy something called wacky zombie time with Joel and <laughs> Joel. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I didn't even watch that Zack Snyder one. What was the zombie oh, movie? Either. Right? It was a Netflix movie? <laughs> something of the dead? Yeah, I can't remember. I just remember listening to Scary Thoughts rip it up. And I yeah. thought... Yeah. Valley thought of the Dead? Army. Army, Army of, the, of the Dead. I hate all I those titles. I remember either. <laughs> Any one of those titles I would have turned my nose up to, just to be uh, clear. Also, are you going to do Lisa Frankenstein? I don't think so, no. Why? I don't know. It looks a little too cute, maybe. Um. So we just edited and uh, threw up the Blu-ray Tuesday where Terrell talked about it. And the the takeaway I had was that it is a rated R movie that made it into PG-13. Interesting. Yeah, he said it's very sexual. Huh. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm I'm seeing good reviews. Also, the fact that it's kind of like a um love letter to the 80s is a turnoff to me now, too. 
Yeah, I kind of get that. And also, if it's a uh, you know a reference to the the brand or the company, Lisa Frank from like the eighties and the nineties. I just listened to uh, the Dollop podcast. They did an episode on Lisa Frank and the company, and apparently, it was a very terrible place to work for. There was like a situation <laughs> where one of the people had to do something. One of the employees at the warehouse in like Phoenix had to do something. So we left like 10 minutes early. And after that, they started locking people in from the outside. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And apparently there's like a research, like, so apparently they were like killing it, you know, made like millions of dollars and then like, you know, shit kind of went down. And apparently there's like a resurgence of like nostalgia for Lisa Frank stuff right now. So apparently it's like on the rise again. I, you know what I, um, what the fuck is Lisa Frank? Like I need like a visual it's very colorful. Um, just like everything. Like they had, I had stickers and like notebooks. Um, they did like stationary stuff, I think mostly. Uh, all I'm thinking is like Hello Kitty. No, it's way more like um, I could, over. I should, I'm going to look it up. Like overstimulated patterns. and. Oh, it's almost like a fucking hidden um, image like poster where it's like almost vi- yeah right like where you like cross your eyes and then something would <laughs> pop out whoa that's lisa i thought it was like a highbrow clothing line or yeah. something wait so these people were locking people in the building <laughs> apparently yeah there's like a whole bunch of stories and apparently there was like a whole like like a blog that started that was essentially like a support group for people that had ptsd from working there Wow, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I'm trying to blow no up Lisa Frank's spot before it, uh, you know, gets big again because so many people listen to this show. So, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take them down. Dude. Where was that interview on? I I want to hear that. Uh, I used to- it's a podcast called The Dollop, where uh, two comedians, one comedian reads like a story from history to a guy who knows nothing about it, and he just reacts to it. <laughs> you know, you guys have talked about it before. I think yeah. that. I think if we're being honest here without Clark in the room, I think that's what Clark wants to do. I remember him passingly telling me that he just wants to be on like a show where he can just react to the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I I looked it up and I'm like, yeah, he probably listens to this, right? He does. Yeah. Or at least has. Ah, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Lisa Frank. I had no goddamn idea. So this is a, I didn't get this, like, so the aesthetic here did not translate in the trailer for Lisa Frankenstein. That's why I don't think it's actually referencing the brand. Dude, it has to, though. Was Lisa Frank even around when that movie's set? It's supposed to be the 80s, I think. I was so dumb. I know none of us have seen them. None of us are even aspiring to see it, but no, because I mean, if it's, if she's like a goth girl with like some zombie other goth guy, like this, Lisa Frank is all about like very colorful yeah weird animals with gigantic eyes it seems like a weird coincidence but i don't know well from what i've heard which might be a light spoiler is that they're doing a kind of like pieces like may type thing where maybe lisa is gathering body parts for uh frank frankenstein Mm -hmm. so her last name's frankenstein okay i don't like i don't like that we're going down this road this much and it's my (laughs) fault i'm aware oh it started in 1979 i guess oh my god you know you know lisa frank looks ripe for ai like that looks like a very you know what if anybody out there if you have the new mid journey do me a favor can you make like a found footage horror (laughs) lisa frank 
go ahead, jump, jump into our Discord and share that. I don't remember what um, social media it is, but there are accounts of nihilist Lisa Frank memes. Oh, I'm sure there's one on Instagram. I think Tumblr was like a big place for it. So one of the workers made that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> After they installed the netting on the third floor so people couldn't jump out of the building. God damn. Okay. Well, uh, did anybody have anything to plug? You know, I say that again. Uff7. First wave announcement should be out today. Thank you, Oksana. I see the note that you put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you'll get a sneak peek of shit that we're programming. Again, I think early bird tickets are still on sale. Yes. I think they're ending pretty soon. Let me check. Yeah, so uh, don't hold me to it, but if you go to Film Freeway now, I think it's like $15 off or something. Um, but if you're going to come anyway, just get it now. Or don't. I mean, honestly, it would, it would be better for us if you didn't. <laughs> but whatever. Um, we got two days until Dimensions Film Fest. God damn it, that's this Thursday? Yeah. All right. Uh, any babysitters out there who are free on Thursday, <laughs> come through. Uh, Craig said that he's trying to get drunk. At the uh, Dreams for Dead Cats first, basically it's a curation. If you didn't hear that interview with them, I highly recommend going back and doing it. And Randy, thank you for dealing with all of my technical issues on the back end. Yeah, I um, you know, I was tempted to try and bug you, but I'm like, it's 10 p.m. You've been asleep for four (laughs) hours, and I, man, that was a that was an awkward situation. I mean, Craig and Cassandra are tight. And they're homies, so I basically just tried to like juggle plates, audio style for them while I was, yeah, t- trying to troubleshoot problems. I had no idea. And the dude, thank you for uh, David being here too, over from Barely Functional Gamers. He's the one who eventually figured it out, um, which basically just meant recording through OBS. And everything's better. That's how we're talking now. But yeah, their film fest, which is basically just a curation of shit that they like. Uh, is going to be at the Roxy on Thursday. So if you're still in the country. It's at 6.30 p.m. Also, that same day is when of early bird badges um, end. Okay. Thursday, it's eventful. It's also the day that we're going to have David Dawson on here. Um, he's the interview that we canned. We got, it, we got it locked up. And again, he's the one that sent me Bone Barrel after we had Madeline on the show and we're talking about our dream wrestling movies. Uh, Randy, what the hell? You don't have any music projects or anything coming out? Uh, nothing really. No, I mean, I still got stuff on, uh, bandcamp.com slash opinions. That's, there's some recent demos and stuff there. I've been, well, it's been a minute, but, uh, the last like couple months or a few months I've written like two things that Christian may end up putting vocals on. And I don't think we, I, I don't know. It might be a thing that we play with other people, but. It might just be a thing that just him and I do because that's easier and uh, you don't have to battle like five people's schedules trying to uh, play music. So, yeah, honestly, if you here's the thing, you got a house, you have your own like, do you have a recording room in there? I mean, this is kind of it. I have soundproofing behind my monitor right here. And if we were going to do vocals, I'd probably just do it in the closet. Because Randy, first, you got to get out of the closet. But second, we, I, God, we can use so much music. I don't know why we would talk about this on the show, but dude, make some shit. We could use it for Uff promos, which should be coming out more. Me and Evan are going to start churning that shit out. But dude, or even for fucking Blu-ray Tuesday, bro. True. Get some original Randy stats in there. And then we could put a, 
put your name with the little link in the show notes every episode. Yeah. All right. Oksana just walked out of the room. I don't think she had anything else to plug, um, but I, I mentioned Madeline's name and she started calling me. And because it's in Film Fest land, like we're, we're in it, yeah. she had to take it. Um, I don't know. Do I want to stall more? We could roll. I mean, David's waiting by the door. But I'm also tempted to. Man, it's Super Bowl. We we should have prepared some NFL stuff. Yeah, and then I think the day after this episode airs, it's Valentine's Day. Oh, don't Oksana left the room. So thank you for mentioning that now. But uh, it's on Wednesday. I just googled it. Okay, it's on Hump Day. Oh shit! Nice. The stars are aligning, dude. What are you gonna do for Valentine's Day? Probably go to work and then come home and then go to sleep at like 9 p.m. No, here's what you do. You got to hit up Christian and be like, hey, it's time. Let's record the podcast. Or, <laughs> like book him on Wednesday. I doubt that. Uh, I mean, I don't know uh, his significant other, but I imagine that she would not be the type to be mad about missing a Valentine's Day. But it'd be yeah, a good maybe. bit either way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I feel like something cool. I feel like you don't marry people who get mad about that kind of shit. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like other problems have come up before you you tie the knot. Sure. Um, all right. I don't I we don't know how Oksana's how long she's gonna be. So let's uh oh again, we got a segment too. Are you ready for that one? I am. All right, well fuck it. Let's just let's let David in. Well, Oksana's not here to open the door. All right, hold on, let me go get it. It's February 11, 2024, and it's a Sunday, day two of weekend projects, and the fun work train is rolling, surprisingly. Last week, I made a funny riffing on Clark's absence, but I'm here today to say I miss him. While having a steaming cup of joe, I couldn't help but think about the chaos that befallen the show in his absence. Listeners already know how rocky segment transitions are, introductions are lacking, and to quote Trinity Taylor, where are the jokes? However, what I really miss is the cigarette I'd smoke with Mr. Little before the show and not paying for a lift. Anyway, happy birthday, Burt Reynolds. Happy 55th birthday, Jennifer Aniston. Happy 50th birthday, Alex Jones. <laughs> Let us also remember those who had to mosey on Happy Trails, Whitney Houston. Everyone, have a great day. What happened there? Oh. He says mosey on. <laughs> it weirds me out every time. But also, how did we not know that it was Alex Jones' birthday when we talked about him in the That's interview? Good question. Also, uh, I have to do a pre-correction for that interview. Alex Jones, I believe, is in Waking Life, not wake, Slackers. Not Slacker. Wait, okay, I'm glad we got that in before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did talk about Slacker. Wait, so is Slacker not rotoscoped? It isn't, no. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen it then. Oh, what the fuck? Okay, well, hold on. We're going to take a little link later break right now. Um, Slacker is not rotoscoped. Is it? I don't know. Have I seen? Yeah, I have seen Slacker. It's been a long time. It confused me because the cover that I searched is kind of like animated, but it's uh, it's not. Yeah, now I know Alex Jones has been in a couple of his movies, but... It's possible, yeah. Did, did Linklater ever get, like, grief for that? Not that I know of, no. I feel like that would be, you know, here's the thing. If you're going to be like a neutral, 
journalist or artist or whatever, then fuck, why wouldn't you have a huge chaotic beast like Alex Jones in there? But then, you know, <laughs> when the Sandy Hook debacle happens and everything, I could imagine, like, you know, we're we're in a an era where Gone with the Wind was getting pulled for like some weak, really weak virtue signaling. And then, you know, kind of quietly put back. I could see people being like, remove him from your movie. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I, I don't know n- enough about Richard to like uh, refer to him by his first name or <laughs> <laughs> like make a guess on what he would do there. Is everything okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. Also, I don't know. I missed most of that conversation, but I mean, they did remove people from Drag Race completely, so it's possible. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Drag, you know, honestly, they had one of the weirdest post-production reactions where a couple of contestants, mainly in Australia, where they, you know, they never had a um, a social movement like we did here in America, but they had a like somebody had a bunch of a uh, blackface dolls tattooed on their leg, and I think she ended up almost winning, if not winning, the show, right? So they made her do a bunch of apologies and shit. But there was another girl who was caught grooming people. So she would pretend to be a producer. And like, Randy, if you called in and you're like, oh, hey, I want to get a job. Uh, One way or another, the conversation would turn into, are you going to masturbate on camera for me or not? (laughs) And uh, here's the thing. She made it far and she was good. But it came out while they were recording. So they kind of actually, no, I think it was post. They just, they brought it back in and tried to edit her down. Because, you know, reality hmm. TV, it's all about building a story in the edit. Yeah. Who ends up winning. And uh, yeah, dude, I, they just tried to remove her. And then in a newer season, they completely removed a contestant. Huh. Like completely. Like they don't talk about her. They didn't give her an intro. You can see her in the background in a couple of moments. And of course, the Reddit people found it. But yeah, I don't know. Huh. I re- I, yeah. God, today's going to be the episode of Tangents, and I apologize in advance. But now that Oksana's back, uh, it's time for everybody's segment. Are you are you loaded? You locked and loaded, Randy? Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. The TBR Report. <laughs> I almost forgot about that part. Brought to you by POV. Doesn't he say that? I'm brought to you by POVHorror.com. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hey, y'all, I have some new footage for you to, for you to ingest this week. This oh, one boy. is a film I found on Tubi called Beyond the Neon. Allegedly, based on true accounts, a Las Vegas escort is recognized by her sister in a viral social experiment video. Looking to, re, looking to reunite the sisters and secretly motivated to capture the reunion on camera, Joey Salads and his apprehensive crew are thrown into the dangerous and corrupt world of escorting documenting every step of their desperate effort to rescue the woman from human sex trafficking in Las Vegas. Overall, I think you'll dig this, Russell, and hopefully others will too. I know one thing's for sure, though. Clark will appreciate how short and concise this week's TBR email is. Uh, wink face heart emoji, but I'm reading it, so I, know. I also appreciate it. <laughs> All the best, Thomas Burke, in-world camera philosopher and member of the award-winning Barbados Boys. Proud constituent of the TBR report in the segment. Am I supposed to read this or is this? Yeah, just keep going. Clark reads all that shit. The segment where we take a closer look into the vast world of in-world camera cinema, checking in from around the globe to share newly found found footage. Russell, buckle your bootstraps. Randy, cue the music, which we did. And Clark, <laughs> pucker up because you're getting a big old kissy. 
one. Also, I, you know, I don't pre-read these emails, which I think only creates more confusion when I start covering it. I'm like, fuck, everything I wrote down to talk about, he already did. But in this one, I realized I forgot to read the whole fucking intro thing, but he did it in the bottom. Yeah. So, so, okay. That works. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Tom, me and you, we share a brain, I guess. Um, Randy, thank you for reading that. You did fantastically. Uh, Also, Tom... You buried the lead here. Beyond the nation. Oh, you know what? Beyond the neon. Set in LA or Las Vegas. God, I'm fucking everything up on my phone. <laughs> Let's try that all over again. Beyond the neon set in Las Vegas on the day that the Super Bowl is taking place in Las Vegas. So we are kind of um, lampshading uh, the American pastime that honestly, I think there's what they're, they're saying almost 68 million people are they think are going to tune into this. It's like one of the biggest things. Like it doesn't seem like a lot, but in the world of streaming, you never get that many eyes on anything. So the fact that we're not doing that and we're here talking about beyond the neon, a Tubi movie, I, it makes me feel pretty cool. But anyway, here, so Tom worked in what the, uh, the synopsis from, I don't know where he got it, but according to IMDb, It says, a dangerous social experiment performed by a reckless YouTuber and his film crew exposes human trafficking in in Las Vegas. I actually think the IMDb one here is more succinct and to the point. And it also highlights my favorite element. It's a YouTuber. Now, Beyond the Neon, oddly, really pairs well with the movie I'm going to talk about later, uh, which is The Bay. Spoiler. Because both... I think took a fictional approach to a real problem. And I think they took the very Hitchcockian um, appraisal of sometimes when you deliver shit as reality, people aren't as receptive to it as they would be if it were fiction. And I think in like the 39 steps, uh, which is a fantastic spy movie, if you haven't seen it, it's part of his UK filmography. It opens up where the main character is realizes he's in need of help. And the first person he talks to, it goes poorly because he told them the truth. And then he starts to lie to people. And, you know, it. I guess you could call that manipulation, but it's the only way he could have uh, gotten out of that situation. And I found myself thinking about that here with Beyond the Neon. Now, Joey Salads, the name that made you laugh, Randy, <laughs> you, you probably don't know, but he's a real YouTuber. Really? Who, who goes under the name Joey Salads. Now, in this movie, he's got kind of like a, a Chris Angel look to him where, I don't know, he's kind of like a fit, like handsome dude, and he feels a little bit like Hollywood. So I, I was like, dude, I feel like I know that name. And honestly, you're all probably thinking, how would you not? Like, you're supposed to be the YouTube guy. Here's the thing. Prank videos, I think, are a blight. I think they're terrible. And... um. I I stay away from them. It's kind of, I mean, I already, I watch voyeuristic, smutty TV. I love reality shows. Caught in the Act, the one that Terrell turned me on to. I mean, I'm so interested in that because I love cheaters. And I think I got into cheaters because I love Jerry Springer. And then even before that, you know, I, I loved cops for the same reason Harmony did. I love prying into people's homes. But prank videos, they're different. Like if you liked um, Vitaly... TV. You remember that guy? He was the one that I think he went viral for getting beat up. 
And Hmm. the thing is, that's the thing. You're just antagonizing regular people. I, it's fucked up and they keep doing it because people watch it. So I actively feel, and I mean, I'm somebody, I can separate art from artists, but the prank thing, I feel like you're literally feeding it and I stay away from it. So Joey Salads caught me a little off guard. Here's the thing. This all kind of plays into the movie. So in Beyond the Neon, Joey Salads is a prank YouTuber and he's kind of over it. And he took a path that Life of Luxury took. Now there's a there's a call, there's a shout out to some found footage filmmakers who work in YouTube format. They do short films that are absurd. They live in a house. It's infinitely night there. They order shit off of the dark web and it always goes bad. But it's all in-world camera and it's incredibly fun. Luxury after luxury life of luxury. What the hell is it called? Luxury Dark. Luxury Dark. Yeah, they have three different channels. I recommend you go to Luxury Dark. But those dudes used to do a kind of, I don't know if you would call it a prank video, but they would have, basically they do the pedophile hunter shit. Kind of the uh, the vacuum that was left after um, To Catch a Predator went away. After, after a <laughs> cop got implicated and it got real murky. And then huh. that whole show, yeah, like kind of Chris Hansen kind of went away. Yeah. YouTube, it became popular where people would just do their own DMing and be like, yeah, I'm 12. And then meet somebody in a Walmart and put it, it's very popular now, but they were faking it. And so the whole situation was fake and they would get into like weird predicaments and, and uh, basically the internet turned on them and uh, they made a pivot into doing horror shit where here Joey Salads goes to Las Vegas and they're walking around the street and he gets one of those uh, escort trading cards handed to him. And he's like, you know what? Let's call Let's see what happens. Let's talk to the girl. And their whole thing is that they think there is slavery happening in America and they want to, they want to talk to somebody and see if it's true. So they get one, they put a bunch of cameras in a hotel room. And when the escort comes in, uh, he's like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do anything. I just want you to sit down and I just want to talk to you for a little bit. And she's like, okay. And he's just like, is this what you want to do? And she's like, what, what the hell is this? And he's like, what if I give you $200 more? Can you be honest with me? And the conversation doesn't go on very long. And she leaves and uh, the video goes viral. And it stays viral and it gets a lot of um, eyeballs on it. And I think Joey just is like, you know, this is content that I don't feel bad putting out. And then uh, there's a lady working in like a pizza hut who watches the video. And uh, thankfully somebody was filming her when she was watching it, which was a little wonky, but she starts crying and she's like, that's my sister. So uh, Joey salads and his crew go back to doing pranks that are terrible. I think they have a blonde in their group. And they dress her up like a cop. And he's like, in this video, it's uh, random dudes mean to female officer. (laughs) And it's that kind of crap. And when the lady's sister reaches out and says, hey, like, you know, she leaves a comment. And he's like, we got to go after that. We have to do more of that. Like, it felt good. We were highlighting a problem. And it's funny because this movie... Now, Tom said allegedly based on real things. Like, I I don't think there's any one case this movie's based on, but it opens up with an interview, a talking head interview that's completely blacked out and their voice is masked. And I, I know we've all seen that shit before. 
especially in like found footage movies. Like that's one of the things about cops. They're cheaters too. That's one of the reasons that Terrell got mad at me while watching caught in the act. I'm like, dude, nobody's face is blurred out. Like they're not signing releases. The shit's fake and cheaters. There would be a lot of, even sometimes the people that they're finding, they, they didn't want to make the, the, they didn't want to get the $50 payday to have their face on TV forever as a cheater. And I understand why. Yeah. And dude, so in this one, we open up and there's a testimonial and it feels different than the whole movie, which is, I think, a pro and a con. My main complaint about this film is it ties back to what we were talking about earlier, Randy. It's the mise-en-scene. It's really hard to follow the vibe, the emotional arc, and like where we are in this movie. It's hyper-mixed media. And the first two acts, it's very, like, don't get me wrong. This movie's well-made. It feels very polished. It's the third act. When things start to get, like, chaotic, it doesn't feel like controlled chaos for a movie. It feels kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to give spoilers, but there's a, there's a moment in the third act where they're trying to buy a bulletproof, they're trying to buy six bulletproof vests off a guy. So they meet him in a parking lot and he drives up in his car and it turns into this thing where he's like, why do you got cameras? What the fuck's happening? And it turns into like a scuffle. And I remember this is the first part of the movie where I'm like, what are we doing? Like, how did we get here? And before this, we were highlighting human trafficking in America, which is real. And honestly, this is kind of like really dark territory, but the kind of um, cross-country pimp... (laughs) that this movie is uh, lampshading is real. And I've seen documentaries where dude will meet a girl in a mall and, you know, they'll start a romance and he'll be like, oh, let's take a trip. And then you take a trip and you get hooked on drugs. And uh, they say, if you ever contact your family, I'm going to kill them. And of course, because you're so close to them, they know they have your, they probably own your phone. Like they're answering all your texts. And it's just this kind of next level controlling of, of human life. Also, this movie highlighted something I wasn't aware of that a lot of these uh, like modern pimps will impregnate the women and hold the baby as hostage. Jeez. And it's kind of like, if you do anything, I'll kill the baby. And they talk about that. And I'm like, is this real? And you know, Tom, I think that's the real element here. I think it's a fictional story that is kind of piggybacking off of an actual YouTuber, but there it's kind of like a controlled way to do a documentary that would actually be dangerous to do. Um, I do. I think there's a lot of value here. I think it's an easy watch. Uh, It's on Tubi and um, I have, I have some other notes here. The sister is incredibly annoying to talk about. This is just like a fictional film. The one who comes out with them, they tell her one thing. If we, if we bring you out, you cannot interfere. That's all she fucking does. And the crew doesn't do anything about it. I think Oksana at one point was like, God, this bitch won't stop. <laughs> like, like they're doing a thing where they have uh, two hotel rooms next to each other with an adjoining door and they're all in the other room. She keeps running through the door. And that, that might be a like light spoiler because you know what's going to happen in those moments. But it's, dude, first off, you already knew what was going to happen. But second, you want to like choke the bit. You're just like, stop. Like, what are you, everybody's going to get killed. Can you stop doing this shit? Um, there's a moment where a uh, pimp releases uh, footage of um, a punishment he gave one of the girls 
for allegedly talking. And I thought it was a moment that felt incredibly authentic and it was jarring. And I kept thinking, this is what the Poughkeepsie tapes needed. (laughs) In my head, I'm like, it needed some like unsettling, realistic violence. Um, I've mentioned here that I get caught in like X threads where like my feed will become real life violent videos and a lot of them, people just die in them. And it's always jarring to watch how uncinematic real death is. And I always think about how found footage horror should be better at portraying that. And I think beyond the neon, it's a very small moment, but I think it, they did a great job here of it. And I, I feel weird highlighting that, but I, again, if you're, if you're an in-world camera fan, it's a thing you would walk away from and be like, Hey, that, uh, that's pretty tight. Um, while looking up the prank shit. And again, Randy, this is the thing I always talk about where it's the new currency attention. Yeah. I think pranking is an easy way to get a lot of it too. Yeah. Um, like Vitaly is the one I mentioned up top, but Mizzy most recently, I, it's still going on. He did it for TikTok clout walking into random people's houses and uh, the internet rejected him. And I think that's a good sign. But I, I, you know what? I didn't write it down, but I found a fantastic video that was kind of um, Joey Salads was, a, was on it. And he was talking about his uh, stepping away from prank videos. And uh, the fall of YouTube pranking with Joey Salads. That's a video on YouTube. I recommend checking it out. They do a really good job of kind of looking at the culture from a zoomed out view. And uh, and Joey Salads is in there. And it's kind of striking how he's just this character. Mm-hmm. And I think it adds a lot to the authenticity. But again, because I don't fuck with the pranking shit, I didn't know. And I think I would have liked it more if I did. Um, I also want to point out that video because they mentioned a TV show that I had never heard of. And, um, I, you know, I talk a lot about Dirty Sanchez now. I haven't really dug into that. But they mentioned a show called Balls of Steel. And I'm curious if anybody listening has ever heard of it. But it was a British television show where they would basically put up their guests to doing pranks. Uh, IMDb says a British comedy game show where various guests would perform stunts and hidden camera acts in order to judge who has the biggest balls of steel. <laughs> I've never heard of this, but it sounds, no, me neither. dude, sounds wild or really dumb. One of the two. Uh, and from this show, that's where we get Pritchard and Poncho. You know who they are, right, Randy? Of course. <laughs> from Dirty Sanchez. And so I'm like, I don't know. It's all here. It's all in-world camera. I I definitely feel like the... I don't know how there aren't more prank video found footage horror movies. They, they're just ripe for it. Like, you could just get abducted. You get beat up. Uh, there's just so many things. You could just go missing and then yeah. make the whole movie about trying to find them. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've belabored this point. I do think this film is based on an authentic uh, problem though. And there's a moment where they go to a safe house and this is in the third act where I talk about like the mise-en-scene becoming chaotic and hard to follow. And I think it's because they were really trying to shoehorn the whole reason they made the movie in. 
So they go to like a safe house and they talk to the lady running it. And she's talking about how they had to shut down too because pimps had found out where they were living and they would show up and, you know, they'll kill a baby. They'll try They'll come in with guns. I think they ended up raping several of the women at the other safe house when they found it. So in the movie, our camera crew shows up and she's talking to him and she's like, you know, yeah, we can't really put it out here because nobody can know where we are. But uh, if the girl you're looking for, she, we'll, we'll take her. And I, I do think that was a real safe house. But in the movie, you're like, wait, how did we get here? Like, every, like the breadcrumb trail gets lost and we're just jumping all over the place. Um, but yeah, I'm really splitting hairs at that point. Um, is there anything you wanted to add, Oksana? Uh, no, I mean, just that I really enjoyed it. Uh, the story was very like immediately grabbing, I think. Yeah. But yeah, some of it really was like, you just restrain her a little bit. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. You were very vocal about that. And um, I do want to say there's a lot of security camera, a lot of mixed media, a lot of vertical camera. And if you're into that, like I am, it's, it's fun. Again, it kind of, it just gets a little clunky in the third act, but Really, I think everybody should go watch that. Tom, awesome find, dude. This feels like a movie I should have heard about. But um, that's why we're doing this, because Thomas digs through. Randy, don't know if I'd recommend it to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I don't know. It's You know, the, the subject matter is a little murky. Like, it's not yeah. exactly like a fun watch. And then when, when we are having fun, because don't get me wrong, this is not downbeat like Clark's intro to this episode. <laughs> it is... Uh, it is fun and they're YouTubers. So they're kind of dorks and they're, but then you get to a point where you're like, is that appropriate? And like, we're bouncing back and forth and it's like dudes dicking around. We're having a fight with the guy who's selling bulletproof vests. And then we're going to a fucking safe house for real women who are like internationally pimped and like held hostage from their family. And it's just, it's so like, what are, it's like, what are we doing? Um, yeah, but again, beyond the neon on Tubi. This concludes the Disco Reports. This concludes the TVR Report. And again, sorry, Randy. I know. I can't shut up. Without Clark here, I just I, I feel it. The freedom. I have an eagle <laughs> on my shoulder and an American flag on my back, and I'm just running wild. Hell yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's your turn. So I please, I encourage you. Dive deep, explore every nook and cranny. I'll be along the way, and I, I, I won't I be glaring at you. <laughs> I know, I know you don't, but I'm encouraging you to. Well, maybe I've seen the movie, and then I can force you to. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, we'll, we'll tell tell a little tale, and say that uh, you know it's January or it's February, not January anymore. There but, you go. Uh, <laughs> there's no good new movies out that I am aware of uh, that I haven't already seen. There's a lot of. Oscar movies that I've already seen making their way back to theaters. So I went to the good old video store, Videodrome here in Atlanta and uh, picked up a couple of things that I watched this weekend. Uh, one, which we have talked about previously, but I'm going to go with uh, another title before, which I had actually heard about from Madeline, AKA marbles, AKA RIP. Uh, who saw this movie at uh, Metrograph in New York City, I believe. Um, and then it did play out here um, at one of the, they call them the uh, the Plaza Drome, where Plaza and Videodrome 
uh, collaborate and play a movie. And it was playing at about 9 p.m. on a weeknight, I believe. And I said, no, thank you, because although I want to see it, I'm going to go to bed. Oh, my God. But uh, yeah, I went to Videodrome uh, Friday after work and I saw that they had the movie uh, Spacked Out, which is the movie that I was talking about um, on Blu-ray, which came out actually, I don't think it's from Vinegar Syndrome, but you could buy it on their website. It is from, uh, I think, like a sub-label called OCN Distribution, which I've never heard of before. But uh, this is a re-release of a movie that came out in the year 2000. Uh, it, it, it takes place in Hong Kong, uh, directed by Lawrence Lau. Uh, so reading from the Metrograph website that uh, Madeline saw us at, uh, set in the massive, crumbling urban developments in Hong Kong's new territories, with a combination of trained actors and non-professionals. Spacked Out depicts a few tumultuous days in the lives of four schoolgirls, uh, filled with mall outings, classroom, classroom phone sex, and the occasional box cutter brawl. Uh, a study of the everyday hope and despair experienced by Hong Kong's dead-end kids. Uh, so yeah, all the uh, people in this movie are girls that are about, you know, age 13 to like 17, maybe. And they're all, you know, sort of, there's not a lot of supervision in the classrooms. And yeah, one of the girls uh, is like a phone sex person, kind of, that they call like party lines. So people call her and they meet up and they, uh, you know, these young people are getting into uh, kind of gnarly things. It's not as gnarly as something like the movie Kids. Um, but, you know, you're, you're kind of worried about these kids uh, and what they're doing at such young of an age. But um, yeah, like I said, it takes place in Hong Kong uh, among these like urban developments that kind of look like, you know, projects or something. Um, but it is also shot like very beautifully. Like there's a lot of like really vibrant colors uh, and stuff in it, which kind of reminded me a little bit of like Florida Project. Um, like color palette wise and sort of like visually where like it does look kind of pretty, but also looks kind of depressing at the same time. Uh, but yeah, this movie is just over 90 minutes, like 91 minutes. Um, I thought it was really, really good. It does get, it feels pretty loose at first. You're kind of just like sort of in this world and like hanging out with these teenagers and kind of seeing what they're getting up to. And you are like, I said, kind of, worried that something might go wrong and uh something does kind of go wrong it does get pretty intense towards like the last like third of the movie um which really i don't know i thought was a, a great ending the whole movie played like very quickly just you know watching it at home but um i thought it played really well um johnny toe is one of the producers on this which i believe he um made a bunch of movies that people enjoy uh, I'm trying to pull them up right now, but uh, Randy, God yeah, damn election, it. drug war, a um, couple other movies I've heard. But yeah, this is a so this is uh, we talked about our friend Frankie several episodes ago about Cat Five movies and stuff. This is a Cat Three movie, um, so it's not like as intense as Cat Five, but it definitely does feel something kind of like you know kids Florida Project D where there's you know. Young kids getting into uh, into bad stuff, but uh, I thought it was really good. And pretty pretty emotional by the end. 
Is it more kids or more like fish tank? Ah, that's a good comparison. I'd say maybe a little more fish tank. Okay. And I, again, I use that as like the, uh, the yeah, sliding as, bar. Yeah. It's not as grimy as like kids. Like I said, it's shot like really beautifully. Um, and I guess the stuff they get into like is alarming, but it's not as like, I don't know, in your face, I guess as kids is. Yeah. Like there's a raw grit to like kids that in fish tank, yeah, almost even though real. Yeah. In fish tank, it feels like a controlled environment, even though like there's little girls drinking beer. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, dude, Randy, god damn it. This movie looks so good. It's good. And, yeah, there's some uh like I said they, in the uh description that I read, there is some like box cutter uh brawls and one of them does a little bit of self-harm with a box cutter that looks very real. Um I'm sure that, you know they didn't actually do it in the movie, but um that was kind of a kind of an intense scene as well, but dude, I um immediately started looking up <laughs> The vinegar syndrome. I'm like, well, did they do a slip cover? And they did. Did you, you don't own this, right? You rented it? No, I just rented it. I just saw and in, on the, you know, shelf, it doesn't have the slip cover or whatever. It's just the main. Oh yeah. Box. Fuck. If I was a video store and I was going to buy vinegar syndrome shit, I would probably keep the slip cover in the back. But honestly, that doesn't. So here, I'll tell you the journey I went on while I was listening to you talk about it. Yeah. My first thought was, man, fuck, I wish I watched this movie too. Then I went to Vinegar Syndrome and I looked and I went, do they have the slip cover? I'm going to buy it right now. It's on sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's $28 and no, the slip cover is gone. <laughs> and I have no money anyway, so whatever. <laughs> but then I went, wow, I can never own that movie now because I, it's going to bother me forever. So I went to eBay. And I, and I was like, it, maybe somebody's just selling the slipcover. A lot of people reselling the movie really? uh, at, a, at a markup of $50. Damn. There is one slipcover, Randy. Alone. No movie. Oh, really? <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a guess how much they want for it? I don't know. I'm going to go 50 bucks just for the slipcover. Dude, okay. 50, you know, honestly, it was kind of confusing because it says 30. And I'm like, $30? What the fuck? But that was in a... um. Hold on, I had to look it up. It's in a Swiss franc. <laughs> That's oh, really? which which the uh, in USD I think is about 34.29. So it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like fuck, dude. So that's that's what and honestly the slipcover isn't clean either. I mean, it's clean, but there's a dent and it's bad enough that they had to show it in a picture. Mm-hmm. And the quality on here is good. The slip slip cover cover. looks cool too. Dude, it looks really cool. Yeah. But that's the plague. If you're a fucking Blu-ray collector, like that, they live downstairs. I know. It it it's in the back of my mind forever that I do not have a fucking slip cover for it. And again, I know some of you listening have told Terrell, maybe out of spite, maybe just want to do him harm, that you've destroyed your own slip covers. Please stop. (laughs) And if you do, donate them here. We'll we'll make up an eBay store. Yeah. Dude, it's, I'm not joking. It, it feels like it should be a bit like people selling that. And I know back in the day I used to tear them up too. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like, I don't know, rapper on a, on a movie or something like, yeah. And I, I think it might've been Terrell when I met him and he was like, Oh, like I, he doesn't remember this and mm-hmm. I may be making it up. 
but he might've been the one that got me to stop doing it. And it, I shudder to think that I ever did. We don't mention them on the show. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's a good point. Um, Randy, God damn it, dude. I want to watch that movie. It's good. I am kind of bummed that I didn't see it in theaters, but like I said, I don't go to a movie at 9 PM on a, on a weekday or even on a weekend. Yeah. I really thought you were going to say you did it anyway. I thought you were going to be like, fuck it, but I'm glad you didn't. I I will say if I had, if it wasn't just me, I could maybe be talked into doing it and like drinking coffee before. Yeah. But when it's just me, it's too easy to just be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stay home. So. Yeah, I get it. And then, uh, the second, uh, release that I rented from Videodrome also has a very cool, uh, arrow release. Yeah. On Blu-ray from 1973, uh, called The Big Feast or La Grande Bouffe in, uh, in French, which, uh, we mentioned last week and we mentioned in an interview, uh, a month or two ago. Yeah. But, uh, essentially this movie is, uh, you know, a satire of, you know, big, uh, like French bourgeois uh, rich people where the plot of the movie is a group of four men go to a villa in the French countryside where they resolve to eat themselves to death. And, uh, yeah, it has a lot of, if you're familiar or watch a lot of criterion stuff or foreign stuff, it's got Marcello Mastriani, uh, Michelle Piccoli, uh, who's in a lot of good art stuff and a couple other folks who I didn't recognize, uh, <laughs> as much, but, um, yeah, the four main guys, they all go by their their name in the movie is the same as their actor, as their actual okay. name. Um, which is an interesting choice. Uh, but yeah, essentially this movie uh is very gratuitous for sure. And it's like two hours and ten minutes long. Uh but yeah, like I said, essentially in the beginning, you kind of see each of the four guys like in separate scenes and they're kind of like getting together <laughs> to assemble to go outside of Paris to the countryside <laughs> where they're going to, uh, this very super nice, like luxurious, uh, estate that one of them, uh, owns or one of their like family members owns, uh, or whatever. But essentially they get there and there's a bunch of trucks coming in, like a butcher truck that has like, you know, pork, like pigs, uh, a bunch of, you know, carcasses, animals, and a bunch of like stuff for them to, uh, to eat over, you know, the next, however long it's going to take for them to commit suicide via food. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, you see all this food being shipped in and it's not just like trash. It's like really nice, fancy, you know, like French cuisine or like European cuisine. There's a lot of like, uh, there's a scene where they're eating oysters and uh, they just have like an unlimited supply of oysters. And there's, uh, one of them challenges them to like, see how many, oysters they could eat in like a minute or whatever. So they're like just chowing down oysters, probably like 10, 20 or more in like a minute. And, uh, just, you know, just excessive, just, uh, cons- consuming of oysters, you know, like I said, meat, potatoes, whatever, just, uh, whatever they could get shipped in. Um, and they're just kind of, besides that, they're kind of just like hanging out. There's pretty much food in every scene. Everyone's eating. Uh, and then a couple of days in, uh, you know, it's just these four dudes hanging out in this estate. And then, uh, Marcello 
you know, comes downstairs or whatever one day and he's talking to the rest of the guys and he's like, I know we all like made this pact or whatever, but I, I, I feel like I got to leave because I got to fuck. <laughs> and so they're like, he's like, it's just us here. So like I either got to leave or we got to do something. So they pay a bunch of, um, ladies to come in and, uh, spend time with them. So there's, you know, a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say like gratuitous sex scenes, like based on, you know, other sort of movies, uh, that we've seen, but there's a lot of just like, kind of like gross, just like sex. Like they don't really care. Like there's eating during sex, like eating like a chicken leg while like they're having (laughs) sex or they're just having sex around like the other guys. Like no one really cares. Everyone is just kind of dead like desensitized <laughs> to it, you know, they're all just here to like just fucking eat and have sex and die. Apparently. Dude, um, good Valentine's day movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Big feast, the big games tonight. So, you know, dude, well I did, I did the super bowl movie with beyond the neon and then now <laughs> you're doing the Valentine's day movie. Look, we, we cover this shit. Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess this movie was rather controversial when it came out in 1973. I think it had a NC-17 rating. I thought maybe it was banned in like Europe or in certain countries. I couldn't find anything about that. I don't know if that is goes into more detail in the like, you know, brochure or whatever in the Arrow actual release because I just got the disc. Yeah. Um, but I might go back because the, the disc is out on the shelf. So when I go back, I might see if there's any sort of additional information about the movie, but yeah, it's not really a fun (laughs) movie. It is gratuitous, like I said, and kind of like grotesque and sort of gross and it does feel long, but at the same time, I don't know. I I also enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's just, it's just very gross, like satire about consumerism and, uh, you know, really sort of overdoing that. Yeah. It's funny in the interview we did again, coming up Thursday, I feel like we kind of even touched on this shit. I feel like my grand buffet, I illustrated in there where it's just like excess. And you know, I think a lot of um, eating, the thing about eating that gets so crazy with people is you have complete control. You can control what you like put in there. And a lot of the time, you know, in America, you get cheap fucking food. And if you're like stressed out, or shit's going wrong, it's like nobody, no boss, no nothing, nobody, <laughs> parent, like uh, relationship, nobody can dictate what you eat. Or, I mean, it'd be really hard to, at least. So I get it. Um, I also like how you mentioned they all come together. It instantly reminded me of Sorcerer, the intro where they all get yeah. their own background and then like meet up. It It is a weird sort of like a, you know... A- an Avengers assemble type of thing, you know, <laughs> it's like, I get, you got to rel- you got to like sort of put these people together, but it did feel sort of weird like that. But yeah, I guess Sorcerer does the same thing. So, but you know, in Sorcerer, the idea was here is the moment. Here's all the information you're going to get, like the character, the uh, context for why they're there. But in this movie, it doesn't, it feels like they're all kind of coming from a similar background. Yeah, I guess. Going in, knowing what the movie was about, there there is one scene, uh, one of the guys, um, you learn that, like, his maid uh, is, like, grew up with them in the family, and they have, you know, sort of, like, a weird relationship, sexually based, um, <laughs> that happened uh, between the two of them. 
but uh, you do have, he does have a conversation with her that says he's making some sort of an excuse for where he's going to go. But he's like, I did leave you all my like financial information or whatever, or my bank account information. So that, you know, if I didn't know what the movie was about, that would kind of lead you to like, think like, maybe he's not coming back for whatever reason, but yeah, kind of already knew the premise. So, man, I feel like you could play both of these together and even like frame it in like a, uh, like a masculine double feature, like kind of like where sorcery is kind of like a guy's guy's movie. And then this is kind of a critique on that nature, like excess from a male view or even just um, like men coming together and the motivation. I don't know. I, I like the idea. I also was imagining playing this on like Thanksgiving every year. (laughs) That'd be fun. Yeah. I I get the, the feeling that it's a little bit too European. Like maybe yeah. there's too much nudity or something going very on. Very European, yeah. I don't know. I want to watch it. And again, Chris Good Goodwin, another fucking brother in arms who brought this up. I can't believe I never heard of this movie until then. Yeah, and, like um, I said, I, I apparently did log it on Letterboxd like maybe four or five years ago or something yeah. like that. But I think I probably did not actually pay attention or actually watch the entire movie. You know, I do get sleepy easily. Uh, so I probably dosed the first time I watched it, but I think there was a couple like scenes where I was like, oh yeah, I do kind of remember this. You know, I give Clark a lot of shit for being on his phone during movies, like having a two screen experience every time. Yeah. And you know, whenever I call him out, like if we're watching something in the front room, he's always, it's always like, man, I should be better at this, but it's like a movie that we're going to talk to somebody from and he's Mm -hmm. on IMDb or something. But I always imagine that you, when you walk, watch movies, are, are incredibly like attentive. Is that true? Uh, not entirely. I try to be, but a lot of times I get, stra- get distracted still. You fake it better. <laughs> you I guess, yeah. And you, I, I get, this is just a, a thing in general. I get sleepy really easily, so I can't oh really get God. that comfortable when I watch a movie at home. Like... You know, ideally you want to like get on the couch and like get comfortable, maybe like lay down and watch a movie. I'll get tired like 30 minutes in and I'll be like, oh yeah, it's only, you know, it could not even be that late and I'll just get sleepy. So I kind of have to like make myself a little uncomfortable or I just watch movies like first thing in the morning. Yeah. Which is what I do with a lot of things. Yeah. Now that um, the only free time we really have, like, because I have to watch the movies with Oksana. I feel weird if I don't. And really the only time uh, that we can do it is up to Cliff. And sometimes he'll go to bed at like 8.30, maybe. And it's like, whoa, it's early. And then we usually squander the time doing shit and then still end up watching a movie at midnight. But most of the time he goes to bed at 11. And it's like, all right. The only thing it's kind of focused are what we watch. Because now we can't like just doom scroll Netflix or whatever. And honestly, uh, everybody who listens to the show, thank y'all. Because now I've just been crutching on recommendations. So, I mean, like, Beyond the Neon, I know that that's kind of like a built-in thing with Tom. But uh, I got a couple of packages I should have covered. I didn't even think about them. Um, Robbie Smith sent me a package with a couple of movies. Uh, What's the sequel to Rocky Horror? Shock Treatment. Shock Treatment's in there, so we'll eventually be watching that. Um. He also sent like an anthology horror movie. And then Rich, uh, Terrell went out to CreepyCon and Rich brought, he gave him a bunch of shit for mostly Jasadi, East Bay cinematographer, which I thought was weird, Rich. What the fuck? But um, 
I got a bunch of stuff in there too. Um, I don't know. You got anything else for Big Feast, Randy? No, give it a uh, give it a watch. It's uh, yeah, the arrow, arrow release looks great. All right, out of twelve. Uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll go ten. Okay, damn. Remember, you're starting to get a name for yourself out there, <laughs> slanging tens Ten around. Randy. Um, what about what about the last movie you talked about? The one that I closed? No, spacked out. I. We're still gonna just you know keep going with the uh, the nickname. We'll go ten stars, dude. Perfect. I think. Oh man, what would I give Beyond Neon? I think probably like a nine, like a strong nine, which is ultimately. I mean, if you do the conversion, it's not the overall from a ten. <laughs> um. All right, then fuck. I haven't, I haven't, you know, fucking David Lynch. I didn't give him enough shit for talking shit about my segues or anything, but uh, I don't like how he came out. Also, he like kind of reinvited the the sour mood too. And he's bitching about the cigarettes because he would be out there smoking with Clark. Also, spoiler alert, he's smoking again. So uh, next time Clark's gone for a couple of weeks, he's probably going to be visiting David Lynch. Um, you know, what? I'll take the segue. We're talking about um, recommendations. And one of the things that Rich sent up was a TV show. Now, if you know me, I don't, I don't do great with the television shows, <laughs> mostly because they're just so long. And I, it's like, you know, we only got a little bit of time. If you've ever watched a movie with us at our house, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get things going. I have to make sure everything is done. Everybody got a drink. Everybody go to the bathroom. Everybody comfortable. Everybody's sitting down. Did you order food? Did you eat? Is that done? Like everything has to be right. And then it's like, all right, no excuses. Let's like transport ourselves into the movie. And with the TV show, dude, you're just fucked from the beginning. So then when we watch a TV show, we tend to binge it because it's like, well, we're doing it now. Let's just write it out. And that doesn't work either. This show, uh, 45 minute episodes. Shocked both me and Oksana as we played the DVD, and there were only three episodes on it. And when it ended, it felt like, you know, she hit play all, and we got end credits. So it's like, okay, it finished. Weirdly enough, I think we were being influenced by anime. No, we don't watch anime. But anime, there's a thing that, uh, you know, I think Netflix started doing it for all TV shows. But early on, if you bought like an anime Blu-ray you could turn off the intro outro and just have the shows ride through. And I think that's just part of normal culture now. But I remember anime doing it first. And in this show, when we saw the credits, we're like, okay, we watched them all. So then when we went, and I realized I haven't said the name of the show yet. I'm teasing it. (laughs) We put in disc two last night and we're like, wait a minute. (laughs) That person hasn't been eliminated yet. And we're like, what happened? We had this like weird moment where we're like, where are we in this show? And again, the show is Joe Schmo <laughs> from 2003. Uh, we were so confused. So we went back and it was like, oh, we've only watched one fucking episode. They're 45 minutes long. So Joe, the Joe Schmo show from 2003, faux reality TV show where most of the contestants are actors and the reactions of the real person surrounded 24-7 by carefully engineered crate. Wait, what? Hold on, let me do that again. Faux reality TV show where most of the contestants are actors and the reactions of the real person surrounded by 24-7 by carefully... 
of the real person surrounded by 24-7. Surrounded 24-7 by carefully engineered crazy. Okay, I was doing it. I was putting by it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, the show, first off, faux reality TV is funny. Because reality TV is kind of already an in-world camera genre. Because the whole thing is production. Like uh, we were talking about earlier with um, Drag Race. Like, you can completely remove somebody from that show and have a full show. And they're there living in the house the whole time. And that's the kind of control a production has over reality TV. Like, they make the storyline. You can highlight things. You can put them away because you have so much footage. And it's kind of a perfect example of in-world camera film. Like, that's why the editor auteur thing was something I I was musing about. Because we have so many people who made found footage movies that make multiple versions of the same movie. And I don't remember that ever being a thing in any other genre. And it, I mean, I know it's born of like a loose script and finding the movie. And then, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you could, you could uh, curate the final product. So they end up doing it. And in here with Joe Schmo, it's a little bit reversed because this show, everybody's an actor and the whole, it's basically Ed TV or the Truman show, but real. And Joe Schmo, he's just a dorky white dude. And uh, it's uh, early 2000s. So again, we got a little bit of the 90s vibe carrying over. And there's a couple of uncomfortable moments, like when a, a black contestant is shown on the show and she's a pretty girl. He's like, you know, I'm down with hooking up with the other races. <laughs> and it's like, you know, here's the thing. And here's why this show, I think, works for people. The show assumed that anybody on reality TV would be um, egocentric. Uh, the world revolves around me. I'm the shit. This is my world and I'm callous and shallow and I don't care about people. Yet the dude that they got, and I should find his name, Matt Kennedy Gold. Gold? Gold. Uh he was incredibly empathetic. He was, you know, honestly, he was very idiocracy. He had uh, that vibe. Like, I'm not great at anything, but I'm not claiming to be. And I like people. And, you know, I'll stand up for people. He's a little bit taller. He's, which honestly, I thought was a huge oversight. He's the biggest dude on the cast. So there's like an inherent power there. And I say that as a short man. <laughs> I know when I go into a room, if somebody's bigger than me, that's the first, like it, it's not something you communicate or even maybe cognitively think of, but it's like, there is a power dynamic there. Like if the, if the power went out and the water wasn't working, would I be able to fight this dude? And I think, uh, Matt had an advantage over everybody here and he's gentle and he's kind. So when the production was, the whole show is about making him kind of look dumb and highlight him being whatever. Yet he, uh, by episode two, actually it might've been three, they eliminate the guy who plays the vet and he's like an old war vet. And when he gets eliminated, Matt fucking breaks down crying and he goes to his room and he sits in a chair and he's just like, why would anybody do this? This is the fucking worst feeling in the world. Hmm. I like, and what production, so here's the other thing. We don't understand, uh, a big part of reality TV is crafting the story. That's why, and again, I apologize for using all these drag shows as context, but they're the ones I'm most familiar as I still watch them. And in Dragula, there's a problem that they have that they take care of on Drag Race. In Drag Race, when you're on the show, you only hang out with the contestants in front of a camera. 
And when they're not recording, you're isolated in a hotel room and you cannot leave. They hold on your phone. They hold everything. And it's not because they're a Lisa Frank style <laughs> running a company. It's, it's because they don't want any story to develop without a camera there to capture it. Because they want to have all of the options they can get. And in Dragula, they let these bitches go out and smoke by the dumpster with no camera. And they would come back and you'd have these people who were in a brutal argument. And then it's, we're good. But as an audience member, you're like, what the fuck happened? Like for reality TV, you got to kind of like fake that we're there for all of it. So in this movie or in this show, Joe Schmo, it's not clear why he was having such an emotional reaction. So they had cast members say like, you know, they were talking privately and um, we we know that the, the guy playing the vet is an actor, but they were having like real interaction. And I think he ended up kind of playing like a father figure for Matt. Huh. And like, so Matt was trying to get everybody to eliminate this other girl, Ashley, who's playing the bitch. And uh, <laughs> Matt kept joking in his uh, confessionals that he was, was interested in hooking up with people, although he didn't know if that was really what you do on these shows. And they made it clear they were trying to push in this love triangle where Ashley was in love with the host of the show, but the host of the show was in love with the blonde virgin character. And um, Ashley was getting mad. So then she, they told her, go tell Matt, like something along the line that, you know, you look as you, you're very close to him and he's like an older brother figure. So after that, he does make a pivot to like get her off the show and they try to frame it as like, oh, she's not interested in hooking up. So he wants to get rid of her. And as an audience member, I wasn't buying it. I'm like, uh, I feel like that's not why he's getting rid of her. But he tried, and uh, when the vet went, he fucking broke down crying. And I thought the coolest thing they did is that the focus pulled from Matt, and it was all the people engineering the show. And uh, some of them were crying. A lot of them were questioning, why are we doing this? <laughs> like, like, we all came here to have fun. And the dude who is the butt of the joke is in a room crying and not because he's a bad person. It's because he's genuinely sad and he doesn't like the problems in the production are this show and episode one, somebody fucks up and they're like, God, I thought he was going to know we're an actor. And I kept thinking in today's landscape, if you went on a reality show and it looks shoddy, I mean, what hoochie hoochie daddies on Tubi, Go look at that. And just imagine being there and being like, are these people actors? Like, it would never fucking cross your mind. Now, we haven't finished Joe Schmo, and I think uh, we may have caught hints that he does start to kind of wonder, like, is this all fake? But now I just, I can't imagine appearing on a show like this and having it even cross your mind. Because even if it did, you would still get some clout out of it, or like, there'd still be a reason to roll with it. But in the early 2000s, I just think it wasn't, that prominent um, social media was not the thing it is today. And uh, I think they found the perfect dude who just is a normal kind of dorky. <laughs> he, he's got a little bit of a frat vibe going, hmm. but dude, Randy, they bring in a porn star. They call her a hooker too, over and over and over. And I, they're just like the challenges you have to have a body part touching the hooker, but you draw randomly. So you had to pull a dollar bill out of her bikini and written on the dollar bill would be what you have to do. So uh, Matt, the Joe Schmo guy, yeah. he got right hand on her right breast 
And it's like, oh, that seems a little like edgy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Rich, for giving us the uncensored DVD where she does, she takes her top off. She's just like, all right, I'm here. So he's <laughs> just holding her. And here, the whole thing is they already know who's going to win and they wanted to push it. And they're like, all right, we got to get Matt to like quit. And like, this is going to be fun. And everybody's there ready. And they're like, all right, who's going to do it the longest? And uh, about 30 seconds in, Matt, who uh, currently was sharing a room with two other people uh, with one bed. So he was, they were all sharing one bed. He went, you know, this is incredible, but I'm done, man. I'm not sleeping in that bed anymore because the punishment for the first person to let go was they had to sleep in the laundry room alone. Weird. So he went, see you later. He's like, hey, no offense. You're very beautiful. And also he knew who she was. She walked out and he went, oh, that's Riley Blues. And they're like, whoa, he knew. <laughs> like they didn't mention she was like a porn uh, star, but. So he backed off and he went, yep, I'm done. Uh, Y'all have fun. I don't think you're going to vote me off. And I'm tired of sleeping in a bed with two other people. And then, you know, they cut to production. They're like, fuck, what do we do? And then they cut to all of the actors who are still touching this lady who's naked <laughs> laying down. And they're like, what do we do? The whole thing was that, you know, uh, this guy had to win. And then it was going to push the storyline. But he just bailed. So then it also becomes that none of them now are playing a game. Weird. It's yeah. like we're like nobody's actually trying to win. So it turned into how like how do we make this feel authentic? And I think that's where a lot of the fun from the show comes from is people trying to act around somebody. Also, I should mention uh somebody who Randy likes is in this show. Um, what's her name? Kristen Wig. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. N- Natasha Legero's in it apparently too. Really? Okay, maybe I haven't gotten that far. But yeah, Kristen Wiig's in there. Uh, they got Cricket from Always Sunny. He plays Hutch. Yeah, who's David Hornsby. Yeah, dude, they got a lot of people, and it's kind of cool. Kristen Wiig was the first one I noticed. Like, She's got a face. You know her. And going through IMDb, I'm like, well, a lot of people actually came out of this show and had a career. Um Oh, she's, she's in the second season, Tasha Legero. Oh, there we go. Uh, There's three seasons of the show, apparently. There are. And I don't know how it unfolds. I do know that um, one of my other favorite reality shows, uh, 60-Day Lock-In, or is it is it 30-Day Lock-In? I can't remember. That, uh, you know, they're, they're filming people in real prisons and jails. <laughs> that show's fucking gnarly. And you want to talk about ethics, that's a good one to dig into. But that show did really well. And... Because it would become an immediate issue to have inmates know that there's a TV show being filmed in there, they had to push season two out immediately. And they're like, fuck, we got to do it now before it gets popular. And I think a similar thing happened here with Joe Schmo. Um, I want to give another shout out to a YouTube video. Jesse Gender. <laughs> Three days, that's her name, Jesse Gender. I'm not sure. Honestly, they're probably they, them with a the name like that. Uh put out a video called William Shatner's Forgotten Abusive Reality TV Series, which is about a show called Invasion Iowa. Now, the reason that comes up is because it always comes up when people talk about Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo is a faux production with a real person, where Invasion Iowa is (laughs) William Shatner going with a crew to make a sci-fi movie in, uh, I think, a town that Captain Kirk is from or something. It's something that ties into Star Trek. And it's a reversal. So Shatner and his whole crew 
are in on the joke, but the town isn't. Now, I've never heard of this show, but it sounds wild. And uh, just from the title of the video, I only that only went up three days ago. Weird synchronicity there. But um, the William Shatner's Forgotten Abusive Reality TV series is perfect. <laughs> I'm, uh, I think part of it might be on YouTube, but uh, hey, if you all find it, let me know. I definitely want to watch that too. Um, yeah. All right, let's pivot out of here. I, I here's the weirdly I do kind of remember the Joe show Joe Schmo show being announced. I don't remember what like a uh, station it was on. I never watched it, but I do remember watching TV around this time and then like talking about it. But I definitely never saw it. Yeah, I don't know what it was on either. It feels like it should be MTV, dude. Um, wh- what is the TV show? I think it was the dating one. Um. Blind date. I think it's got like that kind of like, like it's got brutal royalty free music pumping throughout it. What on Spike TV? Oh, it could be. That would make sense. Yeah. um, After the season ended, Spike TV reran all the episodes but added commentary by Mike Gould. Whoa. Matt Gould. (laughs) Matt Gould. Dude, I want to watch that. Um, Also, this kept coming up when Jury Duty came out. Because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're kind of like jury duties doing this too, except that felt like a much more controlled set. Although that's a weird thing to say about like a reality TV show. Cause he was literally living there and they, which was great because when he went to the laundry room, you got the vibe that they didn't even have cameras down there. Hmm. Like they weren't, they were so caught off guard that they're like, fuck, he just worked his way into a blind spot. I think that whole thing was set up so that he would win and he would win the like private suite bedroom so that they could always like know where he is and have meetings without him. Yeah. And uh, every morning when he's doing his confessional, they would have a, a, a team production meeting. And the guy who ended up winning the big suite had a like, can't, he came up with a reason to give it to Matt. And he was like, you know, I'm going to give that to you. And Matt was like, dude, thanks, man. That's really cool. So they got him eventually into the like hyper cameraed up room. Uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. It's it's super interesting. And I know I already went long here, but I got one more and it tied. Everything just kind of worked out today. Like three in-world camera films for found footage February. No, I did not forget. In fact, that's why everything is so similar. But... I teased it at the beginning of February and I watched the Bay. I teased it at the beginning of this episode too. Chaos breaks out in a small Maryland town after an ecological disaster occurs. Um, 2012, uh, Barry Levinson, much like Beyond the Neon, uh, made a movie about a real problem, but used a fictional vehicle to get it uh, seen by people. I this is one of those movies that I turned on. And I'm like, have I seen this shit before? And uh, you know what? Me and Oxana, we deliberated. We got in the huddle, Super Bowl Sunday, and we talked about it. And I think we came out. No, we did not. Although maybe we turned it on one time and like it wasn't this one. It wasn't okay. And uh, first off, the base fantastic. It's just a good movie. Um, it's very mixed media, like the neon uh, beyond the neon. And after hearing uh, Barry talk about why he made this movie the way he did, it kind of uh, shined a little bit of light on the narrative of 
in-world camera films and why you would choose this kind of uh, vehicle, like this kind of context. And I think the main takeaway is that in the Bay in particular, there's supposed to be a disaster that happens, but everybody's hit by it. So there's no real media coverage either. And it's like, well, you know, the thing that news channel will do is they kind of have like um, tentacles and they can be in a lot of places at one time and give like a broad view of an event happening. Well, he's like, you know what? It's 2012 and people got cameras, so we don't need that. And uh, they went mixed media. And here's the thing that I love. Of course, there's a bunch of actors in this movie and um, there's a bunch of extras in this movie. And there's a ton of real footage here too. Now I know the Bay's been out for a minute and you're probably all aware, but the, um, the main story, again, light spoiler won't ruin anything for you is that, uh, the water, they think it's starting to infect people and it's fucking them up in a way that, uh, the CDC isn't really helping and they're being pretty cryptic. And, uh, I don't know, it might remind you of a uh, current events, <laughs> But local doctors are kind of like, well, you're not helping us. And I have 30 people in the lobby who seem to have treatable symptoms, but I think that we they may all die if you don't do something. And like the government just isn't helping. And they're like, oh, really? Well, you should do this and that will work. And the doctor's like, no. And uh, what they think is an illness, a plague, a waterborne plague, uh, turns out to be a creature. Now, the thing, I mean, it's on the poster if you look close enough. There's a uh, thing that looks like a Pokemon, <laughs> if you have the education <laughs> level of I do, and pop culture is where you go first. Uh, I think, what is it, the Trilobite? I think was the Pokemon. It kind of looks like an ancient bug. And throughout the movie, they have some beautiful in-world camera shit. And by, what I mean by beautiful isn't clarity. It's not framing. It just feels incredibly authentic. Like people catching a fish while they're um, out in the water and then opening it up. And there's like a bug in there and you're looking at it. And you're like, dude, the CGI is incredible. How did they do this? Well, the answer is they didn't almost all of the footage of the creature in here is real because they're fucking real. Hmm. And that's what the movie's about. I think in the, uh, what the fuck is the name of the Bay here in Maryland? I have so many notes that I can't, Chesapeake Bay. Thank you. Chesapeake Bay. They, uh, they approached Barry saying, Hey, uh, you know, marine life in the Bay has decreased by 40%. Can you make like a documentary about this and raise some awareness? And he was like, you know, I can, I can tell a story. And he said, you know, uh, God, I have a quote here, but I can't find anything. Um, he said, you know, I'm, uh, he said, I'm not an environmental activist, but a storyteller. So if you let me do it the way I want to, I, I think I can deliver. And that's what he did. He made a found footage movie. And not only is it a good found footage movie, but I think the realistic aspect really heightens it, especially unlike uh, Beyond the Neon. It's not like a crime world that we're kind of uncovering and raising awareness to it's something that's unbelievable like we all like dude we all know escorts in uh, las vegas they can't be having the best life like you know you like to imagine like pro sex work they're making thousand dollars a day the the dark side is when they don't get to keep any of it and they have a baby with their captive or with their captor and the baby's a captive 
like that's that's dark in a way that's not fun. Well, also in the bay, <laughs> we learned that there are monsters in the water. <laughs> and it's honestly the problem with the bay is it's kind of unbelievable. And uh Barry Levinson even talked about it. He said in the original cut there weren't <laughs> there wasn't a lot of footage of the actual like trilobite thing in the water. And he said, people were like, dude, it looks fake as fuck. And he's like, well, it's not. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you. That thing's real. So his answer was to add more of it. And um, you combine that with the brutal special effects. There's some body horror in here. That's, uh, it's very, uh, I'm trying not to say Cronenbergian, but it is. It's just effective. And it puts you in a spot where you're like, God, I don't want to drink tap water now. (laughs) <laughs> and, and even after watching the movie, you're like, is it even the tap water? Um, this movie is less like Beyond the Neon and more like the Gerber Syndrome. And if you attended us and you saw the movie, which is a faux doc about a zombie outbreak, but elevated by the way they made it, that's the bay. It, man, this movie's really good. Um, I would recommend you watch this one, Randy. Yeah, I might see it uh, if they have it at Videodrome. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I it's available everywhere. I'm sure they probably do. Behind a paywall. So yeah. that's the thing. Except um we may have watched a shoddy version <laughs> on uh YouTube. There's a YouTube if you put in the Bay Full movie as of right now, Super Bowl Sunday 2024, uh you will find the film. It it does appear to be 3 minutes shorter. Than the other runtime, which I could not get out of the back of my fucking head. <laughs> credits like, maybe at the end? The credits were there and I watched them all just to, I know, Weird. dude. I, I'm like, what am I missing? And then Oksana started looking it up on every platform to to maybe find something that was a minute 21 as opposed to a minute 25. Or I mean an hour 25. And I don't know what we missed, but I can't shake the feeling that it was good. So I will be purchasing the movie. We got to get it. Do you have something there, Oksana? I agree. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if you were trying to add something. Um, Oh, yeah. Isopod footage is real. Uh, Another thing. In the movie, so when Barry was talking about it, he said, you know, everybody's got cameras. We can do this film. And we can introduce a lot of personal, individual narratives here, which I thought was really smart. Like, you get a family, like a newlywed with a baby, showing up in town you get um just like very you know what they say like a uh, one death is a tragedy a thousand deaths is an event and it's really hard to sympathize when a lot of people die so this movie kind of has its cake and eats it too and we get to you know hang out with people as things go bad on an individual level and it's funny because he kept there's a moment in the movie where somebody digs up a skype video and skype keeps coming up and it's like <laughs> Man, I, you know, we, um, shout out to our, our brother in arms, our good friend and family member, uh, Uncle Frank, Ilan Sheedy, who for the longest time, every time we had him on the show, we would talk to him over Skype and I fucking hated it. I was like, <laughs> this, this platform, I understand it was like one of the first, like really easy to use video chats. Yeah. Man, it was a nightmare and I hate it. I still hate it. I like, so when they kept mentioning it here, I'm like, why are we talking about Skype so much? So I looked up and I'm like, was there no social media? Like, what the fuck? So I looked up the landscape of social media in 2012. And I actually thought it was pretty interesting. I found a little pie chart. 
And um, they break it down by smartphones, connected devices, tablets, and desktops. Now, in 2012, the smartphone apps, the leading smartphone apps that are considered social media were uh, one I can't pronounce. One's called Scavenger, Foursquare, Planecast, uh, Yelp. They included on here and Path. Now, for conversations, now that was all smartphone um, networking. Now, here's one for publishing. Dude, uh, honestly, I don't know any of the oh, Tumblr's, Tumblr's on there. Hmm. Um, sharing. These, dude, there's so many. There's Netlog, Tagged, Hunch, um, Palvor, uh, Flickr. Um, <laughs> dude, it's so then I looked it up, and the ones who were actually leading, like, as like private companies, the big players were Facebook, they were around, Twitter, then Foursquare, and then Google Plus. With the new one on the block that everybody thought was going to take over was Pinterest. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. So I'm like, no wonder. No wonder Skype came became like a footage that you could find. Yeah. Really strange. Um, but I mean, that will only distract a weirdo like me. I highly recommend the Bay. I know everybody's like, well, yeah, fucking about time. I know I'm late to the party, but dude, it was really good. Um, anything else I want to add? Uh, you know, because I think you'll all find it funny. Maryland, uh, again, we're the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> Maryland's where this story takes place. And I felt an incredible amount of guilt. Like the ghost of Clark was haunting me when I hesitated to type in to Google is Maryland a state or a capital? <laughs> and, and I'm like, what am I doing? It was almost like, I imagine that's the pressure that a religious man would feel when a bad thought is entering your brain and you're trying to like hide it from yourself. And I'm like, do I stay ignorant because I'm scared to type that into my Google search or do I learn? <laughs> and then, so I, I did it and I was immediately like, oh, it's a state. And I'm like, I'm confused though, because Washington DC is right there. How is that in Maryland? I know that's not. So then I zoomed in and uh, I just want to say, I want to learn the history about the borders of Maryland. They're incredibly interesting. A lot of them are very straight line corners, 90 degree angle. And then there's a lot of like rigidness going on, which I think might be because of the uh, geographical location, maybe a mountain. But then there's a weird cut around Washington DC and I, I immediately felt like the most dad I've ever felt where I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's a book on the Maryland border I could read. <laughs> Probably. Dude, how fucking lame is that, though, Randy? Never have children. I did know that it was a state, but I did have to Google what the capital was because, because I forgot it's Annapolis. It's oh, not yeah, I totally, totally knew that. I know. I honestly, I was shocked. Baltimore was there. And I'm like, what am I talking about? Baltimore, Maryland? Like, I used to like follow sports. I should have known that. Yeah, you've seen the wire. I know, and I kept thinking that too. I'm like, oh my god. I know, Randy. It's embarrassing. You know, <laughs> cut that all out of the show. <laughs> Nobody needs to know about that. Um. All right, but I'm done. I know. What did we do? Three hours today. Yeah, something like that. I know. Who cares? It's fun. And next week we'll uh, probably have Clark back and then the fun, <laughs> the fun work train will stop officially. It'll be back. You know, um, I, I will be excited to have Clark back. Although I do like kind of like doing this with just Randy. Um, the, the one thing we are missing is the scented candle in this room. <laughs> True. 
Yeah. I, it really no does change. No week either. Yeah, no snack. I can't say that I missed that. <laughs> I almost get like Rogan offended when people are chewing into the mic. I'm like, please don't do that. People don't want to hear that. Yeah. I'll tell you my drink of the week is Heineken Zero Zero, the non-alcoholic beverage brought to you by Heineken. It's pretty is good. It, is it like low carb too? Why is it zero zero? I don't know. I think just like zero point zero percent because I think others have like trace amounts maybe. I don't know. It doesn't say the the carbohydrate count. I'm sure I, there's something in here still. Oh no, it does. does it, 16 grams. Oh my god. <laughs> does it taste like a Heineken? You know, I think I've only had a alcoholic Heineken like once or twice, but it tastes oh good. Oh my god. Randy, what the hell? I don't, you know, the non-alcoholic beer thing is always so weird to me. Because I've had like intimate, intimate seems like the wrong word. I've had very close relationships to several al- alcoholics in my life. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the the smallest trace amount is really what will throw you off a cliff there. <laughs> so I'm like, who's this for? Like the one who loves the taste of Heineken, but doesn't want to get drunk. <laughs> or Yeah, it's for me, dude. Um, uh, a shout out to another in-world camera TV show, Kenny vs. Spenny. One of the best episodes they did was who can drink the most beer. And, uh, oh, wait, what? Yeah, I think that was it. And then because it was a TV show and they had to cover up the label, Kenny bought a bunch of non-alcoholic beer. Uh, I think and I it was like, this, yeah. yeah. So then, dude, I'm like fucking genius. And he was just pretending to be drunk. <laughs> All right. I love y'all. I think, uh. I think we're wrapping it up here. Oksana, you want to, you got any parting words? Give Randy a vacation. <laughs> um, watch the Gerber syndrome. It's still good. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> All right, Randy, it's back to you. Yeah. Tune in. Uh, I was going to make a joke earlier that we're talking this week to Vladimir Putin, but, uh, <laughs> we already, we already, you know, ruined that joke. So join us Thursday, uh, with David. We, uh, you know, we cover all sorts of things from lowbrow to highbrow. We talk about Frederick Wiseman for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good ep. And then the day after that episode, make sure you go to your local Steam account and download the Epstein game, which they should have called Epstein, but they didn't. <laughs> and we'll see you Thursday. Dude, I almost spit coffee all over. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>